TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren Dukey Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. And away we go on this Thursday night, the 21st of January. The year is 2021. This is Scoop Podcast episode 330. I always appreciate you taking the time to listen when I know, heck, now more than ever, there are so many podcast options. So thank you, thank you, thank you as we approach our five-year anniversary in April. That's if we make it to April. Who knows? The Brain Wizards here could come to their senses and say, Doogie, get the bleep out of that Joe Sutre Taj Mahal podcast studio. You're not worthy of having a podcast anymore. So who knows? But for the time being, I think I can make it until April. So it should be fun being able to celebrate five years in just a few months. I'll empty out my figurative notebook, then we'll get to some conversations in no particular order. As always, Ryan Saunders is not in trouble right now, but questions are being asked internally in the front office. Is Ryan the right coach to lead us out of this hole? Does he know what he's doing? Would it make more sense to have somebody else as the head coach? Those questions are being asked, but there is no sense that Gerson Rosas is on the cusp of calling owner Glenn Taylor and asking Glenn, hey, do I have your permission to fire Ryan? Oh, by the way, if Gerson did make that phone call, I can promise you that Glenn would have all sorts of questions for Gerson. That that I'm not quite sure those two are completely on the same page in some regards. On David Vanterpool, I know on the surface, logic would say David Vanterpool. He's interviewed for all these head coaching jobs. Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, others in Portland speak highly on the record of him, hey, he would be the logical elevation, right? That that you would make him, if you made a move on Ryan, that, that he would make sense as the interim head coach, evaluate him for the rest of the year, then make a determination after the season. I can tell you that there are some questions internally about David. He's the quote-unquote defensive coordinator. This team has not played an ounce of defense, for the most part, over what? These, these last 80-something games, questions have to be asked about David Vanterpool. I know he doesn't control who's on the floor. There are certain things the head coach does that that the associate head coach can't do, but David is still in charge of the defense. Like last night, Wednesday night, Aaron Gordon, the clock is ticking down 7-6. He is wide open in crunch time when guys give a bleep more than ever, right? Crunch time. Aaron Gordon, like I've never seen a player. This might be hyperbole, but I don't remember seeing a player in crunch time being literally that wide open. Fortunately for the Wolves, he missed. But then Jared Vanderbilt grabs the rebound, misses the two free throws. Ryan probably should have called a timeout. Didn't call a timeout, had two timeouts. Let Jared get fouled. Jared misses both free throws. Aaron Gordon taps the rebound on the second miss to Cole Anthony, the rookie who hasn't really made threes all year. And of course, it was inevitable. Anthony makes the three at the buzzer. That was an all-time collapse on Wednesday by the Wolves. They were up 10 255 to go with the ball. The win probability at that moment was 99.5%. How they lost on Wednesday night is beyond me. So it could be fluid. Like if the Wolves have another collapse of of epic proportions on, on Friday against Atlanta, who knows? Maybe it could change. But my sense is nothing is nothing is imminent. I will continue to say this is more my opinion. But I will continue to say that I think it's only fair to give Ryan a chance to coach his two-star players, D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns, together 
for more than five games. They haven't played together for more than five games. Give Ryan some sort of sustained run or do this. Allow the new owner to make a decision on Ryan, on Gerson, on that Daniel E. Strauss, the former Memphis Grizzlies limited partner, is still interested in owning the Wolves, in buying a majority share from Glenn Taylor. Now, Glenn was on this podcast on December 23rd. He said, I'm paraphrasing slightly, but he could see a scenario where this December, a year from our conversation, December of 2021, that he could still be the majority owner. I talked to Wendy Brian Windhorst of ESPN a couple weeks ago on this podcast. You can find that conversation too, just going back a couple episodes. We talked at length about the Wolves' ownership situation. It is clear that Strauss still has interest. Strauss came to the Twin Cities in... When was it? It was August or so, sometime in the summer. It was summertime. He came to the Twin Cities. There was a meeting with Glenn. I mean, Daniel came to town. The census came to town to wrap up a deal. So it got far down the road in the summer. Things fell through, but that doesn't mean that talks are completely dead. I'm just saying, keep an eye on Daniel E. Strauss. So would it make some sense? Let status quo remain as bad as it is. Hopefully the Wolves, I mean, they're not moving up to the to the top 10 so they will be firmly they're not getting into the playoffs so they will firmly be in the lottery hopefully for their sake they owe golden state their first round pick this year if it's pick four or below hopefully for the wolf's sake it'll be about what a 40 percent chance give or take that they land in the top three if they land in the top three they keep their pick could you imagine though the train wreck if they have to give the warriors pick four Five or six. Oh my gosh. Oh, but I still think it might make some more sense allowing the new owner, presuming that talks continue to progress, even if it's ever so slowly, even if it's into the summer, into the early fall, don't make a move in season now. Let the new owner make a determination whenever a transaction between Glenn and the new owner takes place. Gary Kubiak has officially retired. I provided some context on Scoop Podcast episode. 329. Long story short, I'm told he just didn't like coaching virtually. Hated the off-season virtual sessions. Like, he just really enjoys coaching guys in person. That coaching virtually really got to him. All signs point to coming up in April, May, June, you know, until like the July 4th holiday weekend when when these NFL teams do their, their off-season gatherings that those gatherings will be virtual again this year just like in 2020 they will be virtual I just don't think Gary wanted to do that again so Gary Kubiak officially retires not exactly shocking news but it is now official so now we await word will his son Clint elevate to offensive coordinator that certainly is a scenario that I could see happening I can tell you on one logical outside candidate as of earlier this week and the signs have been there that, that Gary was going to announce his retirement. He just happened to make it official on Thursday afternoon. But I can tell you one logical candidate had not been contacted as of earlier this week. Just another sign that that signs seem to be pointing to an internal hire. Dwayne Haskins is off to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I was asked a bunch on social media, hey, do the Vikings have interest in Haskins? The answer is and was no. The Vikings never even made one phone call. The Vikings never had even an iota of interest in Dwayne Haskins. On the Twins, Jay Happ undergoing his physical on Thursday. If all goes well, the Twins should officially announce that transaction either late Thursday night or sometime on Friday morning. They had no interest in Jose Quintana, so Quintana lands with the Angels. 
pretty much the same contract as Jay Happ. The Twins very much favored Happ. They did not have Quintana on their radar. The Quintana camp tried to engage the Twins, called the Twins, but there just there was an interest shown by the Twins. The Twins in the last few days since I recorded the last podcast made offers to both Corey Kluber and Kirby Yates. They were in the mix until the very end on Yates, but he chose the Toronto offer instead. Kluber chose the Yankees offer instead. The Twins had scout Freddie Thon watch Julio Tehran and Anibal Sanchez throw on Tuesday at a high school in Miami. Thon lives in the area. It was an easy trek to watch. More about doing due diligence, although I'm told both guys looked pretty good. But I don't know if the Twins are on the cusp of, well, I can tell you they're not. They're not on the cusp of signing either guy, Tehran or Sanchez. Chaska's own Brad Hand has new representation. He is now with Jet Sports Management. The Twins have a good relationship with that agency. The Twins did make one quick phone call to his previous agent last month. That was after he was on this podcast, but it didn't go anywhere. The Twins haven't made Hand an offer or anything like that. The Twins are still after a middle infielder. I'm told they have talked money on both Andrelton Simmons and Marcus Simeon. It's not like they're signing both, but they wanted to get a gauge on on what each is seeking. So they know what it would take. They know the parameters of a deal, what it would take to ink Simeon, what it would take to ink Simmons. The buzz on James Paxton is he is seeking well north of half. The Twins watched Paxton throw a few weeks ago. The word is now, it doesn't mean he's going to get it, but that he was looking for, as of earlier this week, $12 million a year. So the Twins get half done at eight. The Angels get Quintana done at eight. The buzz on Paxton is he is seeking $12 million for the 2021 season. It is not trending positively on the Nelson Cruz situation. The Twins certainly have done their due diligence on on other plans, plan B, plan C, plan D. Cruz has taken calls from from other teams. Now, all it takes is one new call, one new offer, so never say never. But I can tell you, as of as of today, Thursday, January 21st, it just isn't trending positively on Cruz returning to the Twins. Same goes for Jake Odorizzi. All it would take is an offer. I mean, heck, they haven't even made him an offer. At least they've made Cruz going back many, many weeks an offer, even if it was kind of a BS offer, but at least they made an offer. On Odorizzi, at least to date, They've not made him an offer. I would love to personally see Oda Rizzi back. The Twins do have interest in re-signing reliever Tyler Clippard. The Twins have kicked the tires on, on some other starting pitchers, including one that I know of, maybe more than one on a minor league deal. So they are still they are still reaching out to a number of agents. They are taking a lot of phone calls themselves. More moves seemingly are coming. I can't tell you exactly when, but... But stay tuned. I, I do foresee more moves coming. The Twins did take a call from Marwin Gonzalez's new agent, so he has new representation, like Brad Hand. My sense is there was a report from MLB.com earlier this week that the Twins have interest in re-signing Marwin. Yeah, maybe on, on very much their terms. I don't necessarily see, though, anytime soon a deal happening. Now, maybe in four, five, six weeks, if Marwin is still out there, if they swing and miss on on some middle infielders, then then maybe. But my sense is on this one that, that it's been more Marwin's representation reaching out to the Twins. The Twins being receptive, I mean, they're going to listen. But, but I don't sense the Twins are being uber aggressive to re-sign Marwin Gonzalez. 
All right, let's now get to some conversations. I caught up one-on-one via Zoom with Leslie Frazier earlier this week, Buffalo Bills defensive coordinator, the former Vikings head coach, as classy a guy as it gets. Here is my conversation with Leslie Frazier as the Buffalo Bills take on the Kansas City Chiefs for the AFC Championship Sunday at 540. Leslie, before we talk football, I have the TV on in the background. It's it's obviously a, a history-making day in D.C. Are, are you able to watch any of the festivities? Not today. I won't be able to. You know, maybe when I see it on the news at some point, but no, I won't be able to watch it today. So this is, correct me if I'm wrong, this is your fourth or fifth. Was there two in Philadelphia, you coaching in a, in a conference championship game? There was at least one, if not multiple, in Philly, Indianapolis. Here with the Vikings, the game in January of 10 against New Orleans. Now this week. How, how can you draw upon those experiences from the past, Leslie, to help you this week in this particular conference championship game? Yeah, one of my teammates just uh, reminded me this would be my sixth championship game. And uh, definitely want to rely on my past experiences. And I reflected a lot on the last time I was in this position uh, with a team. And that was there in Minnesota in 2009 uh, when I was defensive coordinator there. And uh, who would have thought it would have taken this long to get back to a championship game? And it just reminds you of how hard it is to get to this point and all the things that go into getting to this point. So really want to cherish this time and do everything we can to put ourselves in the best position to win this game. And uh, the experiences that I've had in the past will definitely help me and has helped me in our preparation up to this point uh, and in in getting ready for this game. How much different, though, Leslie, is this week compared to those other weeks when, when you're trying to do this, when we're all trying to, to cover sports during this pandemic? Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely presents some challenges, uh, but it's the same challenges that we're all dealing with. Uh, it's definitely far different than what it would have been like without the pandemic. Uh, but we are doing the best we can to make it work. And our guys, uh, they've been excellent throughout this whole process. Uh, but it's far different than, than any experience that we've ever had before. You certainly know how crazy Vikings fans can be. But, but from afar, it certainly seems like Bills fans, Bills Mafia, that they are on another level. Am I, am I safe in saying that? Well, the Bills fans are extremely passionate, man. That's pretty obvious, and we've got a great fan base. And, I mean, in Western New York, there aren't any better fans, and they do a terrific job of rooting us on. And they were a big factor in our win against the Ravens just a few days ago. I mean, they got loud. We didn't have the full stadium, but even with that 6,700 that were in the game, they affected the game. So, uh, yeah, we have a, a great fan base. What sort of experiences can you draw upon from, from the game against the Chiefs in October? Um, I mean, there were some things that we learned from that game that hopefully will help us uh, when we line up against them this weekend. And, uh, you know, there's some things we can do better, uh, you know, personnel-wise, being able to match up with some of their people on their side of the ball. But uh, they are an excellent offense with a great quarterback uh, that presents a lot of problems. So that hasn't changed for the first time we played them. But hopefully we we're going to be a little bit better than when we played the first time. Does the quarterback have a weakness? I mean, it doesn't seem like Mahomes has, has any sort of weakness. Yeah, we've been searching hard to find one, and there are no weaknesses. He's, he's the, the best, uh, you know, arguably the best in our league, been an MVP already, and it's this early in his career, and uh, he's only getting better. 
But, oh, by the way, you guys have one of the best quarterbacks in the game. Yes, we do. He's really come along extremely fast. And uh, just watching the maturation of Josh Allen over the last three years now, just uh, it's been great to see. Uh, he's really came into really came into his own this season. Played at an MVP level. I'm hoping that he'll end up getting the award. He, he deserves it. Had a great year. And it certainly helps to have a, a receiver of, of Diggs's caliber. We know all about Stephon Diggs here here in Minnesota. Just how how special of a year did did Diggs have, and and will continue to have heading into Sunday. Yeah, I mean he's he's been fantastic for our our offense, uh, but it goes beyond that. He's been great for our locker room, great for our team. I mean, you know about the energy that he brings uh, as a player. He's a, I mean, obviously a great player, but there's some intangibles about his game that really don't get talked about very much. But uh, he's one of those guys that really pushes everybody to be their best. And you need that type of leadership, especially when you're trying to win a championship. I know you've you've talked about your your interview on Sunday with with Houston, but we haven't had the chance to talk to you about it. Just how how did it go, Leslie? I thought it went fine. I mean, it's a little bit different doing things on Zoom and not being in person. Uh, so it's hard to get a, a true feel of how things are going, uh, you know, not being able to communicate face to face. But I think overall, I thought it went fine. So we'll, we'll see where it goes. You'll turn 62 later this year. I mean, is it to the point where it's almost now or never? I mean, not to say that you couldn't get a job at, at 62 a year from now or 63 in two years, but, but the clock is ticking. Clock is definitely ticking. You know, we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, really focus more on the now than the future, and uh, you know, we'll see what happens going forward. Did you learn a lot though from from your experience here? I mean, how much did your experience here come up in the interview on Sunday? It came up, and uh, I definitely learned a lot from that time in Minnesota. So thankful that I had a chance to uh, be a head coach. Thankful to the Wills for giving me that opportunity. Wish we could have won a few more games, uh, but. Uh, there were some things that I learned from that experience that hopefully if I get another opportunity, I'll be able to use some of those things I've learned. Uh, and I've tried to, in the role that I'm in right now, as assistant head coach, really help Sean as best I can with some of those things that I've learned from my coach, my head coaching experience to help him to avoid uh, some of the same mistakes I made as a first-time head coach. And, um, and hopefully I'll get a chance to you know, put some of those things I've learned in place. Is there one thing in particular, I'm not asking you to give me a, a full list, but is there one thing that jumps out? Probably the, the biggest thing, and I've shared this before, you know, when you're a, a defensive head coach, uh, I think it's important that you stay involved with the defense probably more than I did uh, when I was a head coach in Minnesota. Uh, you know, when you're managing the entire team and your background is defense, you really got to make sure that that's where it needs to be as you're managing the team. And I think I got a little too broad uh, and got away from our defense a little bit. And I think I learned from that experience for sure going forward. With all due respect to your situation, Leslie, to me, it's head scratching that somebody you know really well, somebody you'll compete against on Sunday, Eric Bieniemy is not a head coach yet. Just where are we at? I mean, I feel like we've made progress the last couple of years in that regard, but now with Eric not having an opportunity yet, I feel like we've we've taken some steps backwards. Well, I'm hoping with the two remaining positions that Eric's name will get called. I mean, he's definitely deserving. Uh, thought he would have had a job by now, but uh, I'm not sure why it hasn't happened. Uh, but I'm hoping, got my fingers crossed, that it'll happen uh, here in 2021, that someone will give him a call. He's, he's deserving.
How much do you keep in touch with, with people here in Minnesota, Leslie? I still have some friends back there, you know, that, that we text back and forth or communicate with. So, yeah, still got some friends there in Minnesota. I mean, it's a great fan base, as you know. I mean, fans were terrific to me. I remember so many times, man, been in that Metrodome and how loud it got and the support that we received. So, I mean, it was uh, those were some special, special moments. Uh, but, yeah, still have some friends there. So, I mean, just, you know, just a special place in your heart. I mean, that run here, you know, with, with Chile and then, then ascending to head coach. I mean, safe to say some of the, some of the best years of your life. Absolutely. Uh, you know, the, the year we beat uh, Green Bay to make it to the playoffs, uh, I think it was my second year as head coach. I remember being at, at, our, at, at our stadium and the roar when we kicked the field goal to win the game and just walking off that field, man, that's the, the elation. And uh, it was just such a great feeling. One that, that still, you know, gives me goosebumps when I, when I think about it. So a lot of great memories uh, from, from the time that we had in Minnesota, a lot of good memories. I mean, do you have time to catch your breath this week, Leslie? I mean, I can only imagine you're just, your phone's blowing up. You've been inundated with, with interview requests. I mean, do you just have time this week just to kind of sit back and, and reflect on the special season that, that has been and, and what will take place heading into Sunday? Yeah, not much time to reflect yet. Uh, you know, hopefully after February, mid-February, we're done playing, uh, get a chance to reflect then. But uh, right now, very, very busy time with our preparation and what we have to get done to get ready for this, this ball game. And your family's doing well, Leslie? Family's doing well. I mean, everybody's you know, trying to stay safe in this COVID environment that we're in, uh, which is very challenging, as you well know. Uh, but right now, everybody's doing good. Thanks for asking. Leslie, thank you for doing this. I know I speak for, for many of my media colleagues, for many Vikings fans, when, when I say we wish you nothing but the best, not only on Sunday, but but whether it's the Houston job or, or any other head coaching opportunities that come along. Great. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. Appreciate it. Such a good man. Leslie Frazier, Buffalo Bills defensive coordinator. Whether it's Houston now or a different job in a year or two, yeah, the clock is ticking. He'll be, he'll be what, 62 in just a few months, but hey. I hope at some point he gets he gets another opportunity. They just they don't make them better as a person than they do Leslie Frazier. All right, let's transition from one former Minnesota coach to another. I caught up recently with former Gophers football coach Tracy Clays. He recently announced his retirement at the age of 52. He most recently was linebackers coach at Virginia Tech. Tracy, always good to see you. Happy New Year. Just take us through your decision. You're, you're what, you're 52 years old? You had a birthday on what, Christmas Day I saw? I mean, so you just turned yeah. 52. So yeah. why retire at 52 years old? Oh, I, I think that uh, a lot of people don't understand that it's not a job, it's a lifestyle. And every time somebody talks to me about wanting to get into coaching, I go, first off, you know, are you willing to start work on July 4th and go till New Year's Day at 12 plus hours a day on 90% of the days and no days off. You know, I mean, that doesn't even get into the recruiting thing. And so it becomes a lifestyle, which I loved. And, and uh, but I got to go home for a couple of weeks over Christmas and spend some time with my family. And I really enjoyed it, uh, to be frank about it. And, and, uh, and you know, so, um, so I think right now, you know, I'd like to spend some time with them. 
I've been gone 25 years and, and, uh, and so I'm looking forward to spending a little bit of time with them. And, and, uh, and then, you know, after the season, I, I still, I, I reserve the right to, to look at any opportunity as a defensive coordinator, you know, I'm, I'm not interested in being a position coach, but if there's a market out there and a place for me to be as a defensive coordinator that, that I could see myself being that for five or six years, you know, I'm not, I'm not interested in this hopping around stuff and, but that if that would present itself, then I'd evaluate it. But if it doesn't, I mean, I've had a great time. Uh, been around a lot of great coaches, got a chance to work with. We've become great friends, and, and then the players. And, and uh, uh, boy, it's just getting the the text and stuff from them has been has been special. And so uh, um, it's good to know that that you did. You think you're making an impact in people's lives, and that's why you do it. And, and so uh, that that's really rewarding. And, and so. Uh, but I'm looking forward to getting back to spend time with my family. What about a head coaching job? I mean, maybe even at the high school level. What about a head coaching job in in the state of Kansas? No, not the high school level. But I definitely would be interested in the again a smaller college level. Listen, I've been to, I've coached at all the levels, you know, and been fortunate enough. And that's one thing me and, and with Coach Kill and some of us. I mean, we worked our way up and and paid our dues, so to fact, to get the opportunity at the Power Five level and and. Uh, so yeah, I, I would definitely be interested in something like that. But uh, I told somebody is that you know when when you, when you're my age, I don't want one where every time you take the field you're going to get the hell kicked out of you either. You, you know, I mean, it would have to be something where at least you felt like you had a chance. But but yeah, yeah, I I, I would uh, definitely entertain those thoughts if they would come up here uh, uh, in the next uh, next year or two. If I had told you, let's go way back to 1994, Tracy. So. That's the first year you're coaching, right? You're you're at a high school in Kansas. Tracy, if I had told you in 1994 that fast forward to 2021 and you'd be retiring, but but during that time span, you would have coached where? In Kansas, in Illinois, in the state of Washington, in the state of Virginia, here in Minnesota. What what would you have told me? Well, I would have told you we wouldn't have had as probably as much success as what we had. You know, most people that move around like that, it's because you get fired, you know, and and for the most part, for us, we got those opportunities because of being successful. And and uh, you, know, but it also lets you know who you are, you know. Do you? I'm definitely a Midwest, you know, a little bit more South type of person. And and, uh, and uh, you know, the the coast, I enjoyed them for the experiences and things like that. But uh, but you know, I would rather be in in the midwestern part of the, of the country and and. Uh, and, and in the southern part of the country, that's where I'm most comfortable. Not that, not that here at all. I mean, Blacksburg is a great college town. It's 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 in a rural setting, but it's more in the in the mountains here. And and uh, that part of it's all been great. But uh, but I do, uh, you know, quality of life. I tell people as you go along, quality of life becomes a lot more important uh, probably than than what's the best situation as a job and all that. You give a little bit more because of quality of life. And like I say, I've been away from 25 years. If I do get another opportunity, I sure wish it, you know, I would like for it to be, you know, within a reasonable distance of my family back home too. If these were normal times, let's say COVID wasn't a thing, like, do you, do you still make this decision? I guess what I'm getting at is just the craziness of the year 2020 and just, I mean, even you alluded to it in, in your Twitter post about you're not going to miss getting the the swab up your nose constantly. I'm like. Not. Just, I wonder, do you still make this decision if, if we were in normal times? Probably not. 
You know, just being honest, uh, I'm in a position that I don't see it changing a lot by the fall, you know, for what I have. And, and I'm telling you, people don't – I mean, I understand you see the games, but people don't understand the sacrifices that the players and that have made. Um, and as a coach, to, I mean, you're out there practicing and a kid gets pulled off the field because of a positive test or because of a tracing, and you don't know who you're going to have that week. And, and even the coaching staff-wise, you know, I – Coach Fu, I thought handling the coaching staff did a tremendous job because we had games where people, you know, you find out the last minute and and it, it all mentally it wears on you. You know, there, there's no doubt about that. It wears on you. And, and uh, so I'm, I'm hopeful at the end of the of uh, this year's that um, that uh, that'll be under better control. And I know it's probably not going to go back to the same. Obviously, nothing does. Everything's always changing, you know, and this is probably accelerates and change, but hopefully it gets back to normal. Um, because I can go on and on a whole nother discussions of recruiting. I mean, for us, we were, you learned by going into a kid's house and sitting down with his parents or auntie or grandma and getting to know the family with face to face right now. We don't have that. Um, I, I wouldn't expect somebody to trust me off an interview off of zoom. And I understand zoom's okay for a business you know, type of presentation or maybe some update training and all that. But when you're getting to know people, uh, that's hard, you know. Position meetings, the quality of film off these Zooms, when you get 12 to 40 people involved in a Zoom meeting, the, the video jumps all around and it's just really inefficient. And, and uh, I don't think that's the case just for football. That's what, I mean, kids having to not be in school and, and do it all over Zoom. I just think it's a really inefficient way to learn or to learn and uh, prepare and um so yeah without a doubt all of that played a part uh played a part in that decision and and my hoping that that here in in uh the next six to eight months that that we get a better grasp of that even tracy with with the mental drain i mean physically you look great like is this the best you felt physically in a long time yeah and i tell people all the time, i never felt bad you know what i'm saying and, I know it's a big guy, but hell, I like to eat, you know, I mean, it, it is what it is, you know, and when you're raising the country, I was raised on meat and potatoes, you know, and, and, you know, I, I don't know if you seen my tweet yesterday, I still get sent the picture where our sound guy on the sidelines, people think that was me having the dilly bar on the sidelines, you know what I'm saying? And, and, uh, and then like I say, I've ate my share of ice cream. That's for damn sure. You know, and, and, uh, but that wasn't me, but, but anyways, that, uh, um, yeah, I mean, I, obviously I feel better, you know, I, I got more, I've always had the passion, but I got more energy. Uh, I still love the recruiting, all that type of stuff. And I found it a lifestyle, you know, I, I really have a, an eating routine that fits in well with the coaching profession. And, and I'll tell you the other thing I did, you know, do is I've taken time here to, to, to just go for walks, you know what I'm saying? And, and, um, I'll, I never did that before. Everything was always about prep, 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 the winning and doing everything. And you just didn't feel like you could take that time away. And and uh, so as you get older, you learn how to work a little bit more efficient. And, and so, uh, so yeah, I, I feel great, feel as good as I've felt in a um, um, long time. And, and uh, I've lost a lot of weight two other times previously in my career. And, and uh, but it was really a starvation type of deal. It wasn't a change of lifestyle. If you know what I'm talking about. And as soon as I hit a certain mark, it's like, Oh good. Now I can go back to doing what I wanted to do, you know? And, and so, uh, uh, but, uh, no, no, I, I do. Is it the mental drain is there, but physically and all that, I feel fine. And, you know, like I say, we've got a little time off at the end of the season and, 
and excited and and uh so so we'll see what, what whatever is next but but yeah i i would like to return to the game possibly under the right circumstances you know um uh, but i've always said this even since i was in minnesota and all that way i want to be somewhere where i'm wanted you know um um, I don't want to work for somebody that doesn't want me around. I mean, I, like I say, the quality of life and all that. And so uh, if there's not that market out there for me uh, at the end of this season or whatever, then, hey, I've had a hell of a run and I've had a hell of a lot of fun with a lot of great coaches and a lot of great kids. And and uh, I tried to always be the best coach and the best parent to those kids I could be. And I promise you one thing, I'm going to be the best damn tailgater there is if that's how it ends up. So that that's the only way I know how to do things. On on Tracy on on not being wanted, are you still upset about how just how the way things ended here in Minnesota? No, I really, you know, is that the the only thing that made me mad about the Minnesota thing, and I thought was unfair as hell, is the smear campaign of after they let me go. Every athletic director, every college president, everybody who runs a business has a right to choose who their employees are and who's in charge of what they do, but to, but to come out and imply that our kids were undisciplined, that you go back over the seven years we were there when I was there, I mean, we had, you could count them on one hand, the number of incidences and, 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 you know, we were the one that that GPA was hardly above 2.0 when we took over and, 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 you know, when we let, so our kids were, you ask anybody in that athletic department from academics to, we made our kids do the right things. Unfortunately, kids are going to make bad decisions every now and then. And that's part of college. And, uh, but I don't think it's, you know, I, I, I think that that's part of making them grow. And so I'm not disappointed in that, you know, at all with them saying, Hey, we want new leadership, but the smear campaign afterwards and, and then to hire a firm and do some study and say, I didn't have any leadership abilities. Well, that's a bunch of bullshit. I apologize for the strong word. Uh, but I don't want to get you in trouble with the, with the radio or TV and all but. But, you know, it was, I mean, to do that was really was, is that, uh, and so that's what disappoints me. And, and I understand it was all for justification to spend a bunch of money to, to, to hire an, another coach and to buy us all out. But I, that's the only thing that made me mad. I thought that was unfair, but uh, I've also learned that you don't, uh, you're a miserable person if you live with anger in your heart, you know, and, and uh, it's time to move on. And, and, and I've done that and, and um, um, it took me a little bit of time, but I got through it. And, and I mean, I, I have, I've had a hell of a time. And, and uh, you know, is it, uh, there's awfully good people in the state of Minnesota that treated me awfully well, by far outnumbers the, the, the other ones that, that I don't even want to talk about is that uh, there's far more people. I had a great time there. And, and, uh, and so, in, in fact, I look forward to getting back there and, uh, and I've already talked to OB and I'm, we're going up to his lake and, and uh, you know, I get a chance to see some of the great people that treated me so good, and, but I'm not going to go out of my way to see some of the other ones. I will say that too. <laughs> Dan O'Brien is, is as good as it gets. His son Casey just announced that, that he's not going to come back for, for his free year, that he's moving on to, to the business world. Like I just, I think about Tracy, the 2016 year, there has to be a lot, not just that particular year, but, but there has to be, uh, you know, just a sense of, of proudness, right? Like think about all the players you brought in that are now shining in the NFL. Think about Tracy. I'm not saying this because, because you're on the zoom call with me. The holiday bowl win at the end of the 2016 season is one of the all time great victories 
in program history, just considering everything that took place just a week or two prior, the fact that you went out on that field in San Diego and led the Gophers to a nice bowl victory, I mean, seriously, that that was unbelievable. Well, I just think that's what showed – that's my point as far as showing the kids believed in us, we believed in them. I mean, it was it was disappointing. I mean, we – I mean, it was a it was a team win, you know. It really was, and you know, uh, one of those guys that has went on and done great and, and done all those things is one of them that got involved in that situation was accused wrongly accused, you know. And and um, so so you know, um, yeah. I mean, I take I, the the thing I go back to again. I look at is that, uh, and and I know how people are going to say, oh, but all four of the losses, if I remember right, when the fourth quarter started. We were within seven points or within striking distance of all of them, you know. And I mean, the year before, I took over for Killer and in Ohio State. You know, we're down seven points there uh, late with with Ohio State. You know, and and uh, our kids played hard. And and uh, I mean, we I, you look back. I mean, I had a great time. I mean, I had a great time. But a lot of the kids and the players, you know, I mean. I mean, really. And so uh, it's funny, you know, as I got a text this morning from Joel Maturi and uh, it was awesome. And I'm so thankful him giving us the opportunity to coach the Big Ten and and then the success we had. And, and uh, so, you know, though that's the good times. But I am I'm awfully proud of the nine and four season. And uh, we were that we played a little bit better here, or there in the red zone or not give up a couple big plays here or there is that. Uh, is that, you know, we could have had another thing. But I, I do, you know, we played a lot of those kids as freshmen, you know, that, that we brought in there that went on and, and, and was able to, to have some success. And so uh, I do. I take great pride in that. And, again, I'm very appreciative of the people that helped us and supported us. And and um, and so I am. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back there and, and, and seeing some of those people. Um, I wish you could have seen Dick Ames again. Boy, what a great guy. And, Great Rest guy. Rest his soul yeah, in peace. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. I mean, true gopher um, all the way through. And and uh, so those people are all good, are all good. And, and uh, so I am. I'm looking forward to coming back up there and, and finally getting a chance to see some of those people. Where I can enjoy it. I don't have to worry about making a recruiting call or doing this or doing that, but really enjoy spending some time with them and and, and uh, just what we're doing. Talk about uh, how much fun we all had. And and um, so so, yeah. Yeah, I do. I take great pride in that. And I'll, I'll, I, you'll never hear me um, um, bitch and moan about that or make excuses because I, I just thought, even though we didn't win, even the games we didn't win, those kids, they battled their ass off. And, and we had an opportunity to win almost every one of those games. You mentioned Dick Ames. Yeah, rest in peace. What about Sid? I mean, it was an unbelievable uh, run for Sid, right? I mean, 100 years. We should all be so lucky to live to, to 80 let alone yep. 100. But I have to imagine you have you have a Sid story or two. Well, I just, you know, Sid was one that's always in my office. And and uh, even when he was killer there, but when I took over, he, he was just like anybody who's coached in Minnesota, a big fan. And my my thing that I remember Sid is that uh, just so happens one of the last times I seen Sid before I left was when he had his surgery for his hip replacement when he fell. And it shocked the hell out of him that I showed up at the hospital and, and, uh, boy, we had a great conversation, but his energy, there was no doubt in his mind when I talked to him that day, he was going to be out of that hospital and back doing what he's doing and carrying his little recorder around. And, and, uh, 
So, yeah, yeah. I mean, that guy, uh, uh, he was true, true Minnesota and, and, uh, and the, the sports world will miss him, but all of us have got a chance to know him re- really miss him. And I still read his columns and, and that type of stuff. And so, uh, yeah, yeah. Sid's a special person and, and, you know, I don't know if the world's set up anymore for, for people to hang around that long and do those types of things, you know, Doogie right, right or wrong, you know, it's just a different time. And, and so, uh, so, so yeah, that, that's, uh, he, he was a special man, that's for sure. I hit you with two more. So you said that that Joel Maturi reached out. Who who else has reached out that, that maybe surprised you or you're just grateful that they reached out? Tracy, I have to imagine in the last 24 hours, your your phone is just blown up. Yep, and, and you know is that uh, I hate to jump into too many just because I forget somebody and I don't want to make anybody mad. But, I, but you know, anybody who's known me, they know that um, I, I return all those calls or all those texts or all those emails. So I was up late last night doing that and I did it this morning again, you know, I mean, that's important to me because those people were so good to me and, and players, you know, and, and, and supported me, you know? Um, so, uh, no, it's been a lot of, lot, lot of fun. Uh, sometimes it takes something like this to get you a chance to reconnect with some of those people and, and have a, a conversation, you know, and, and, uh, it's a sad deal, but like I say, in the lifestyle we live in and how fast it goes and, and, uh, um, so, uh, there, there, there's just been a bunch of them and, and, uh, and like I say, I'm, I'm very appreciative and, and, uh, most of them are, you know, they're like, well, you're not old enough to retire and da, da, da. said, that's a good thing about making this decision. Now, if something works out and I change my mind then then, uh, or, you know, something comes along that's really good, then, Hey, let's evaluate it, move on. But, but until then is that I'm going to enjoy life. I'll tell you the thing I'm going to do the most because I've always been a lifelong learner. Um, and by that, I've always listened to people. I went and studied them, what they're doing football wise. And, and I still plan on doing that. Like say all the COVID things and under control enough is that, uh, you know, I plan on spending two of my four weekends every month going around visiting people and seeing how they're doing things and how they're, they're handling the COVID thing. And, and the recruiting stuff and all, because I am, I, I'll always have an interest in the game of football and especially college football and, and uh, whatever I can do to help other people out. And, and that I, I sure, I want to be in a position to do that. It's just, uh, I'll be able to do it on my time now. Do you have a rooting interest in, in the NFL playoffs? So we have Antoine with Tampa. You've got Damian with Kansas city. You've got Kamal with, with green Bay. So it might be hard to have one rooting interest. Well, yeah, you know, any time the former players, you know, is that uh, is that um, you always cheer cheer them on no matter what and root for their teams. But I do have the one Trump card, and it's been there since I was a little kid, and that's the Chiefs. And we waited a long time for that thing a year ago. Now I'm telling you, but I take great pride in that. And and so if they play the Chiefs, they know that it's a Trump card. So Eric Murray started out with the Chiefs, which is a really neat deal for me. And now Damian is there, you know, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. Those guys, you know, Devondre Campbell's just done a great job in the league. And so, yeah, third play is it gets tough when they play, uh, don't play against each other, but if they do have a game where they play against each other, I just, Hey, whoever wins, I just hope they both play well, but, uh, but my loyalties are strong, but, uh, you know, the chiefs are going to trump it all. And, and, uh, I look forward in the fall to actually hopefully catching some Chiefs games live again. I haven't done that in a long time. Did you guys ever recruit Patty Mahomes coming out of high school? 
is that uh, I don't remember so doing so. No, I, I don't remember so. I mean, he went to know. Texas Tech, so it's not like it's not like he yeah. was Alabama bound or Ohio State bound or something like that. Yeah, yeah, but you know, I I just don't I, I can't remember. Sure, you know that that's the thing, do you? Is that there's so many of those kids and and uh, that you deal with every year. The number of players you have to start out recruiting and where that all ends. That's why the Zoom has made this. Uh, wow, I don't know. You know. I, I think it'd be hard about fifty percent, just to be quite honest. I mean, I because I think the fit it still goes back. I, I thought we did a good job at Minnesota. Yeah, maybe it wasn't all the four star, but you know, that's a two way street. Hell, they got to be interested in you too. You know what I'm saying? And 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 so many kids do sign close to home. You know, I mean, they, if they have the opportunity within two hundred miles of home, that's where eighty five percent of them sign. You know, and so, uh, uh, but finding that fit that fits in at, at that culture, where that university's at, your styles and all that stuff. I think you got to go see kids live. You got to see them practice. You got to meet their families in their own environment, you know, get to know them in their own environment. And all those things right now are being shelved for Zoom meetings like this. And so uh, it's going to be the roll of the dice. Um it's not going to be perfect fits. And so you're going to see kids in the portal, which uh, by the way, I, I don't disagree with the portal thing. I, you know, I know some, but if it's not a good fit, then it's not a good fit. You know, is, is that, uh, is that I, I understand that. And, and, uh, and so, but I think that's what this is going to lead to, you know, with, unless like I say, if we can get this thing under control where maybe you can get out in the fall a little bit and at least have a conversation with the kid face to face or meet his family. And as otherwise, you know, like I, I think you got to rely on coaches that have been good to you, uh, that you trust that their evaluations and they're going to send you good players. And I think that's where you're going to have to go or it's going to be, uh, be really dicey. And I'm not talking about the great players. You know, I've always told people, my mom loves football. She don't know a lot about it, but she can watch a really great player on high school video and say, he's really good. You, you know, it's those developmental in-between guys that we're all trying to evaluate and get the jump on. And, and uh, that with the zoom situation, I have a tremendous amount of respect for what the coaches are going through and, and trying to get all that figured out. Cause it's not easy. Tracy, it was great seeing you. You look great. Thank you for doing this. This was a fun conversation and certainly stay safe. Oh, I will. I will. And uh, anytime you want to visit now, you know, let me know. I'll have a lot more time. Do you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Now that, that our mutual friend, Patrick Royce, he passed along your, your contact info. Yeah. Uh, be careful what, what you wish for, Tracy, because I'll blow up your phone. That's all right. I like to talk college football and the issues. I, I think things get solved by having discussions. I mean, I really do. And, and, uh, um, and, and so, but make sure you tell, you tell Pat hi. I mean, you talk about another legend and a guy that survived a long time, and that guy treated me tremendously, and I have a lot of respect for him. So y'all take care. Have a happy new year, and look forward to visiting again. Fun chat with Tracy Clays. He's right. Patrick Royce is a legend. In fact, I need to catch up with Patrick and hear about his experience at Wednesday night's Wolves game. But, yeah, I had Tracy's University of Minnesota cell phone number of course that disappeared when he got fired thankfully patrick has his kansas-based cell phone number his his cell phone number going back 
many, many years. Patrick was nice enough to share it. So now Tracy, unfortunately, or fortunately, who knows, depending on where he stands, but I will blow up his phone. Not necessarily right now. There's no particular reason or reasons right this second college football-wise to have Tracy on. But as as the calendar flips, you know, from from winter to spring, then into summer, summer camps starting into fall, I'll certainly have Tracy Back on the podcast. Let's continue the football theme. Niles Pinckney is a defensive tackle transfer from Clemson, a graduate transfer. He was third team all ACC in 2019. Didn't play as much in 2020, but in the national semifinal game against Ohio State, he had a few tackles, so he played for Dabo Sweeney. He now will be a starter on the Gophers defensive line. He got into town on Sunday needs to quarantine for a little bit, but he'll begin winter workouts with his new teammates here pretty quick before he flew up here. So about this time last week, I caught up with Pinckney. Here's my conversation with new Gophers defensive tackle, Niles Pinckney. Just take us through why Minnesota? What stood out about the Gophers? Why are you choosing to finish your collegiate career up here at Minnesota? Um, I cho- I chose Minnesota because I felt like the uh program and the direction Coach Fleck is trying to go in his culture is like it's showing that he's trying to better guys off the field, on the field, and as well. He even though I'm going to have a year there as as well, he just kept telling me he was like, I want you to help my team, like bring a culture, be a leader, everything like that. Kind of bring everything I learned from Clemson. I appreciated that because the second, the first day at the first day at the end of the portal, he called me. Like, and that's unusual having a head coach call you, like, right away, especially me being an older guy. At first, I thought I wasn't going to get a lot of guys called me. I thought guys would think I'm older and kind of beat up. But he wanted me, he wanted to be a, make a difference in the culture. And I just appreciate the direction and everything he has to, he's trying to do with the culture there. Niles, was it an easy or a hard decision? I mean, could you have gone pro? I guess what I'm getting at is instead of coming up here, did you think about just pursuing an NFL career or a professional career? Um, it was a very difficult decision. It was something I had to pray about, talk to my family and everything like that. Because um, to be honest, my uh, plan was just like to think about it and kind of wait till the 18th and then enter the portal after the 18th because that was the deadline to declare. But I just said, let me enter the portal and um, give myself a chance to see who's interested in me. And um, it was a blessing because um, the first day I entered the portal, uh, Coach Wilt, the defensive line coach, he actually texted me probably 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock that night after my, like the day I entered the portal. And he was like, one of the show interesting. And I guess it was a blessing because I picked, I like I said, I picked Minnesota, but it was like, I didn't realize everything Minnesota had to offer. So it was a hard decision, but I realized Minnesota is a place I can be and better myself and give myself the just, best chance to um, raise my stock. Nas, when you say everything that Minnesota has to offer, expound on that. What exactly does Minnesota have to offer? Um, well, me, I, when I, whenever, everything I've heard about Minnesota is just cold. It's cold here, cold there. Make sure you got your cold gear. So that's all I'm like, okay, maybe Minnesota is just like, just a cold full of ice and snow all the time. But I learned about the lakes, um, land of a thousand lakes. I think that, that that's what they said, the twin um, cities, everything around the culture, like the people. And I just realized like the medical, and I just realized like, okay, Minnesota, Minneapolis has a lot to offer. I was like, okay. And then I learned about the campus and like the programs y'all do and like everything they do there and then everything Coach Fleck does. And I just was like, okay, this place is I, maybe I should do more research before I just assumed it was just a snow, like a snow land. Was it all about Minnesota? So you said that that PJ reached out to you that first day you entered the portal, that the defensive line coach texted you that that first night. 
Like, how many schools reached out, but but was it pretty obvious just from the get-go how badly Minnesota wanted you? Um, I could tell that Coach didn't want me to come there because, he, like he told me before, he was like – he was honest. He was straight up with me. He said, we don't really do a lot of transfers like that. But he said, we see a guy that we like and could be a difference maker. We feel like we're not going to bring you here just to be on, like, just to play here and use for depth. We want you to be here and make a difference. Like, they don't want to see me as just a player. They want me to be a difference for the young guys they may have there and stuff like that. So – off the bat, they showed me how much they really wanted me. I mean, it wasn't a difficult decision because I had different schools contact me and everything like that. Like, I had schools, like, uh, uh, had Michigan call me, Florida, certain things like that. But I just felt uh, Minnesota was the best fit for me. And it was, like, it was a culture I was used to, a culture that was, like, it wanted, like, they didn't just want football players. They want great men. And that's why I kind of felt at like Clemson. I feel like that's the same thing in Minnesota. Why leave Clemson? What, what took place that, that caused you to say, you know what? It's been a nice run here. I mean, you played in 55 games. You were third team all conference back in 2019. But what Niles convinced you, hey, I need to leave Clemson? Um, I would say it was a business decision. Um, I feel like I had I, I appreciated my time here at Clemson with Coach Sweeney, all the coaches, everything they'd done for me. And I feel like it was, I just needed a change. It kind of went somewhere else because they have some, we had some good young guys there. And I just felt like I just needed a change, a business decision to help myself better myself for the future. And I just feel like uh, Clemson, they did everything. I um, did the best with my time here, and I just felt like it was time to move on. Describe the kind of player you are. I mean, just a dominant run stopper? Um, I feel like as a kind of player I am, I just feel like a guy, a very knowledgeable player. I always want to know more, like watch film, learn everything I can do, just better myself. But I feel like I can – I'm a run stopper. I feel like in the past game I can um, be a little difference maker. And I feel like that's another thing I feel like Minnesota can help me with is better my – like people say I'm a run stopper. I just want to help better myself in the passing game as well and kind of expand on that and be seen as a complete detackle. When do you plan on coming up here to Minnesota? Um, I, my, I already booked my flight. I'll be up there Sunday, and I'll be ready to go. And um, I got to go through a little period of COVID protocol and everything like that and kind of get everything set with that. But I'll be there Sunday. And um, then after protocol and everything like that, I'll be able to get with the team and just uh, get acclimated, know the guys and everything like that. Yeah, so so winter workout. So how long do you need to quarantine for, go through the protocol? But, but is it going to be pretty quick here, like before the month is over? Is that the plan to be able to oh. be around your teammates? Oh, yes, sir. I had just uh, quarantine for five days. Uh, I think I'll be I'll be tested when I first get there. Quarantine for five days. Take my time. Just wait. And um, hope like after quarantine, I'm good. We'll start with player led workouts and then give my teammates um, like get to know the guys, be able to meet with them, watch film with them. They could probably teach me, give me a heads up. I would even want to get in the playbook early so I could give myself a step forward. So maybe I can we could talk back and forth instead of everything just being teach me, teach me, teach me. So that's the plan. How many times, and this is a long way to get to my question, but but coming out of high school, how many times did you visit Clemson before you committed to Clemson? Uh, Clemson offered me as a my freshman, end of my freshman year, and I think I came to camps, I came to games, I probably came to Clemson at least seven to eight times before I committed there. All right, so what I'm getting at is, and sure, you were you were you're there in South Carolina, but. Is it just nuts to think about committing to a school, coming up here to Minnesota? And presumably, have you ever even visited Minnesota? Like, you committed here <laughs> just never having, like, set foot in the state of Minnesota. Uh, Yes, it was a very hard decision, especially everything with COVID now. So I knew I could just take a visit 
And I knew we were on a short time slot because I knew if I visited Minnesota, I would want to visit the other places to see everything they had to offer. So I just was able to take a virtual tour with Coach. They showed me videos and everything like that. So at first, I would I would be lying if I said it wasn't. I was I was nervous at first. I was like I thought about everything being from South Carolina. I'm from beautiful South Carolina. Then coming to Clemson, which is four hours from my home. Then now it's like I'm moving 18 hours away. So at first he was nervous, but I know Coach Will and Coach Flecky, I've talked to all the coaches and everything like that. I know they're going to take care of me. They're going to understand. I may be homesick a few, few times, but I know it's a business decision, and I'm doing what I can for myself and my family and then help the school. So I'll let you go after this. Your bandwidth is going in and out, but I, I can see you okay now. Do you know oh, yeah. Do you know Val Martin, the, the defensive tackle that, that is coming up here, the, the transfer from North Carolina State? Oh, I don't know him personally. I saw that. I don't know him personally. I'm just thinking, I mean, that's – that's pretty unique that the two defensive tackles are, are coming up from from big time ACC programs. Um, yes, I feel like um, like like coaching them told me they said like I, they didn't keep it um, a secret that he was coming up there. They told me and it was like we want both. He was like we want both of y'all to be difference makers, help our culture and be players for us. But also like just help add on to the young guys and give them wisdom, because like I said, I've been here a while. I've had great examples. I've had Christian Wilkins, Dexter Lawrence, Carlos Watkins, a lot of guys like that, Cleveland Farrell, Austin Bryant. So I've seen a lot of examples how to be leaders. So I can kind of take that from here, take it to them, and I guess that's what they really wanted. So I feel like it's a great opportunity, especially for another guy from the ACC. So maybe I could talk a little trash to him here and there about how they never beaten us. Maybe I don't know how he'll take it, but. One more hit me, Niles. So you finish your run here just a week or two ago against Ohio State. Did you see who the Gophers opened their season against? Oh, yes. That was the first thing um, Coach Fleck told me. He was like, we opened up with Ohio State. And I was like, okay, I see the kind of – I see the bargain. You're running the good you, – you got me. You got my interest. I was like, you got me with that. And, um, I, and then I just saw the whole schedule, and I was like – that was the – I said, I got to circle that one. I was like – that was my last loss. I said I would, it would feel real good to play them first game of the season at my new, like at my new school. And I said, what are the chances? I said, it's God's plan. He guys know something I didn't know at first, so it's a blessing. Niles, thank you for doing this. Happy New Year. Safe yes, travels sir. up here on Sunday, and hopefully we can see you in person at some point as as the vaccine continues to get rolled out. You know, maybe at some point in the summer, heading into September, you know, us in the media can can get access once again. So hopefully we can connect in person at some point. Yes, sir. Thank you. New Gophers defensive tackle, Niles Pinckney. We are transfer you all of a sudden. It hasn't been something P.J. Fleck has done in years past, but all of a sudden bringing in one transfer after another. This 2021 Gophers football team is going to be full of veterans. Yeah, they always have redshirt freshmen and freshmen. It's just the way it is. But in terms of guys that play, guys with experience, the Gophers will have a ton of guys playing this year with all sorts of experience. The expectation should be sky high for the Gophers here in 2021. Let's wrap up this particular podcast with my conversation from Friday with Caleb Truax, the Osseo native. He has another big-time fight. It's a title fight, a super middleweight title fight on Fox National TV. It comes our way on Saturday, January 30th. So a week from Saturday in Los Angeles, Caleb Truax against champion Caleb Plant. Yes, Caleb against Caleb. I was in the gym for Caleb Truax's workout on Friday and caught up with him afterwards. Caleb, it's been a while since you fought. 
Just what's the buildup like as, as we approach January 30th? Uh, it's been almost a year and I am ready. I'm ready to get back in the ring and do my thing. And I'm hungry to, to win my title back in uh, about two weeks out now. And I can't wait to get in the ring and punch somebody. On your hunger, I mean, it was what, December of 2017 that you beat DeGale? So about three years ago. Yeah. How much do you think, you know, in terms of, of the fighter we saw that particular night, that December night, 2017, how close are you to that fighter today? Uh, I feel I'm, I'm uh, the same fighter. I, I'm healthy for the first time in about over a year and uh, ready to get my title back. And it's going to take a performance like the, the one I had uh, December of 2017 against the Gale to, to beat Caleb Plant because he's a good fighter. He's, uh, he's a champion. He's undefeated and he's young and hungry and uh, it's going to take a performance like that to beat him. Is he too hungry though? Did I see some headlines that, that he's looking a little past this fight? You know what, man? I've, I've heard nothing about uh, uh, my fight. I've heard everything about his fight with Canelo that uh, looms in the future, and, and that's fine with me, man. That's the same treatment I got when I was in London fighting to Gale. They were looking past me to, uh, to bigger and uh, greener pastures, as they say, and, and uh, that's fine with me. I'm, uh, I'm, I've been the underdog my whole life, and I embrace that role, and, and uh, being overlooked just motivates me to, to prove everyone wrong. How did this fight come about? Uh, well, thankfully, my guys were able to land it for me. I, I thought I was going to have to work my way back up after the last couple of mishaps and, and injuries. And uh, Tony Gregelko of Seconds Out lobbied for me. And uh, I was still rated highly in the IBF, but uh, uh, I'm just grateful that I'm in the position. Uh, PBC and Al Heyman uh, believed in me. They put me back in, in a title fight. And Tony, like I said, got me uh, in here. So uh, I'm still ranked, uh, I think, I believe number two by the IBF. So I'm the mandatory challenger. and, and uh, uh, soon to be a two-time belt holder. I mean, that confidence is, is never going to leave you, right? I mean, you say soon to be. I mean, that, that confidence, it's, it's there. Uh, it's got to be. In boxing, you have to be confident or uh, there's a chance you're going to get hurt. You know, uh, you, you got to love the sport. you got to be fully confident in yourself or you're, you're not 100% uh, in that ring. So uh, got to be confident, and that all stems from the work that you guys just saw in here and uh, busting my butt every day and, and do what i got to do and cutting no corners uh, in the gym and on the road, and, and uh, that's where that confidence derives from. On the mishap in the summer when the fight had to be canceled the last second how how frustrating was that uh it was it was very frustrating you know nothing like that's ever happened to me before and it to be honest it's been a frustrating couple of years you know the the fight at the armory and i believe it was 2019 against peter quillen when i suffered the the clash of heads and a cut that uh, led to a no contest and then uh, the achilles injury that derailed the, the rematch uh, and then uh, the August fight where I had to withdraw. It's just been a, a frustrating two years, and I'm thankful that I'm back healthy and uh, uh, feeling good at 37, still ready to go out and prove some, some people wrong. What's it like just fighting in these eight typical times? Presumably, will it be an empty arena or, or center that, that you'll be fighting in? It's just, it just, it's such a weird time right now. Uh, your guess is as good as mine because I haven't done it yet, man. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to going out there and fighting in the, in the PBC bubble. Uh, there'll be no fans. Uh, it'll be different for sure. Uh, I'll be able to hear all the instructions of my corner and his corner and everybody ringside, the commentators and everybody I'll be able to hear clear as day. So it'll be interesting. It'll be different, but uh, we need to adapt to these times. And boxing's done actually a, a very good job of adapting and they've been able to, to, to uh, make their shows go forward more so than, than most other sports. And, and uh, it's just part of the times. When will you head out to L.A.? Do you have to quarantine for, for a certain period once you get out there? Yep. So I, I believe I leave Wednesday, the week of the fight, and we fly out there. We get to the bubble. 
uh, take a COVID test, uh, and when it comes back negative, then we are free to move about the hotel a little bit, but it's still very strict. There's, there's a lot of times for lunch and, and, uh, and dinner and, and working out, whereas uh, normally you could just you know, have free reign of uh, workout facilities or eating, whatever you want. You're up to, it's up to yourself, but uh, um, it's, it's different, and uh, just have to be prepared for uh, whatever they throw at me. I mean, I suppose it beats the alternative, right? As, as weird as this is, you'd rather be able to fight than, than not fight, right? Yeah, yeah. I was talking to uh, some friends and actually in an interview the other day about that. Uh, you know, we were having to adapt to these weird times, and I'm fortunate. You know, I haven't lost a business or lost any loved ones, so uh, I'd be lying if I said it's been super difficult for me. Um, you know, I don't want to take away from people that have actual hardships in this time, and, and uh, I'm fortunate enough to, to do what I love to do and, and make money doing it and, and uh, still have a career. So um, I'm just uh, grateful and fortunate to be able to do it. Undoing it for, for this long? I mean, you're now, what, 37? I mean, how much longer do you want to keep? Yeah, trust me, I, I can relate. How much longer do you want to do this? Uh, I've always said I, I want to continue as long as I'm successful and able to provide for my family. You know, I'm, I'm uh, on the cusp of some really big fights and uh, kind of cementing my legacy as, uh, as, a, as a great fighter and one of the best ever in Minnesota. So uh, a couple more wins for me and uh, a couple more big paychecks and uh, I might be on the uh, other side of the, the uh, broadcast booth instead of the ring. So on, on plant, I mean, he's got the undefeated record, but like what what stands out as, as you watch film of him what what stands out the most uh he's a, he's a good fighter he's he's a good boxer he's got good ring iq uh good foot speed good hand speed he throws good combinations uh but he's also untested he's he's uh he's never fought anybody that's even close to as good as me as that what i believe and uh i think i offer something that the fighters that he's fought the 20 guys that he's fought uh don't even come close to so i'm a former champion i got a lot more experiences than he does i i've fought better fighters than he has and uh, i'm gonna prove that uh, i'm the better fighter on, on january 30th and you feel like rust will will not be an issue just it, it's been so. so long but maybe, maybe this time the rest i mean maybe that's you know that can, yeah, be, that can be a good thing my body feels good and and uh, i've been sharp and sparring and sharp on the pad so uh you know we'll, we'll see when we get in the ring but uh, usually a couple punches knocks that rust off so <laughs> maybe i get, get hit a couple times uh to, to to shake the rust off but uh if uh, that's the case then so be it how much pride do you take caleb in in helping you know minnesota boxing's been on the map for a while but but I think there's been maybe a bit of a renaissance the last handful of years, and, and you've been a big part of that. The fights at the Armory certainly have helped, but, but how much pride do you take in that? I take a lot of pride in it. You know, Minnesota has a rich history in boxing and, and uh, kind of gets brushed underneath the rug. Um, or oh, it has been brushed underneath the rug until, until recently when uh, uh, myself uh, winning a title and Jamal James, uh, Robert Brandt both won titles. Uh, WBA titles, I believe, and uh, uh, we've had some sold-out shows at the Armory. You know, Minnesota's been on the national stage as far as uh, boxing goes and sports go uh, when it comes to boxing. So uh, I'm, I'm proud to, to lead the way, and uh, hopefully uh, that uh, renaissance results in more kids in, in boxing gyms and, and uh, a brighter future for, for Minnesota boxing. How much does the intensity ramp up? The intensity is always going to be there anytime you step into the to the squared circle, but. Uh, the national TV audience. Do, do things just ramp up that much more when, when you know that there are that many more people watching? You know what, man? Uh, I've never been one to get caught up in that. I, uh, I just go out there and do my job. And uh, no matter the stage, I'm always kind of even keeled and, and uh, just focus on the task at hand and don't get too high, don't get too low, and just go out there and do my job like the, uh, like the Terminator, man. Just keep on marching forward and punching.
Has your style of fighting changed at all over, over the years? Or, you know, the, the fighter we saw, you know, that beat the gale or, or any previous fights going back, you know, five, six, seven years? Are you the same yeah. fighter today? Uh, when, I, when I first fought on the big stage against Jermaine Taylor, uh, I think it was back in 2012, I was more of a counter puncher and I kind of sat back and waited to uh, land my single shots. And I had never fought anybody that good, never fought on that stage before. And after losing to him and yet being competitive, yet losing, I realized that uh, you have to be more aggressive to, to fight with guys that are that talented and that good and that experienced. So I kind of revamped my style and turned into more of a, a pressure fighter. And that's what you saw against the Gale, you know, coming forward, being aggressive. And that's, what, that's what's going to win the fight for me uh, January 30th as well. So I'm trying to revert to that form. Sean told me your, your sparring partner is pretty damn good. They're both good, yeah. Uh, Cruz Stewart, he, I believe he's 8-0. And Tony Woods, uh, I believe he's 3-0. They both have fights uh, the week after mine, February 6th down in Iowa. They're both Iowa guys, so uh, watch out for them. They're, uh, they're both real good fighters, good prospects, and uh, they've been giving me the looks that I need. You know, one, one moves more, one's a little bit uh, bigger and longer, so uh, kind of mixing it up, and they get to team up on me and uh, come in fresh and, and uh, beat up this old guy. So it's, uh, it's, it's been a good camp for sparring. On those looks, I mean, I guess, what, what particular looks are, are they offering to you that, that you know that that plan is going to present to you? Yeah, uh, Cruz is, is a little bit more quick of foot. He moves a little bit more similar to, to plant. And uh, Tony Woods is a little bit taller than me. He's uh, got a little bit longer reach. So uh, I think I believe plant is like an inch taller than me and maybe a little bit longer reach. So uh, we're, we're looking to get the length and the movement. And so that's kind of a combination of the both. And, and when there's two guys, they can stay fresh and push me that much harder. So. Uh, it's uh, it's it's hard work. And COVID testing now, like, are you getting tested on a regular basis just to be able to be here on a Friday yep. night getting your work in? Yep, uh, PBC has done a great job of uh, doing uh, the COVID testing for for all the people in the fight camp. Uh, they're coming here in about 20 minutes to to COVID test all of my team, my sparring partners, to make sure everybody's healthy, make sure everybody's safe, so they don't contaminate me. Uh, which would mean I have to back out of the fight. So uh, I've been doing that once a week. We're about to up to, actually this week we're doing twice a week and from next week we'll do twice a week as well. Uh, they just took an antibody test uh, yesterday or on Wednesday to, to see if we uh, have antibodies. Uh, so uh, they're doing a great job of just keeping their fighters safe. I mean, how crazy, I mean, think about it. Like if I had told you the last time you fought, January of 2020, that we'd be talking about a pandemic, yeah. this COVID testing, like, you would have thought I would have been crazy, right? Yeah, I, uh, it's it's surreal, it's surreal, but uh, I'm a I'm a I'm a guy that uh, believes in adapting, and uh, you know, boxing has taught me to roll with the punches, and and I think that's the best thing, that's the best approach that uh, society in general can can take to this thing is is uh, be vigilant and roll with the punches, man. Uh, take what life gives you, I guess. I'll leave you with this. What else? What else do you think we should know? What else is important as as we tell your story heading into the thirtieth? Uh, you know what, man? I'm uh, I'm a pretty uh, I'm out there on social media. I'm out there. Uh, what you see is what you get, kind of guy. So um, not much to know about me that there isn't already known. So uh, I just thank for all the thanks for all the support and and uh, love that my fans have given me over the years. You know, Team Truax has has been awesome for the last 14 years that I've been a pro and or 13 years that I've been a pro and. Uh, I look forward to bringing home a, a title for for Minnesota, a second title for Minnesota. We've been a we've been in a drought, so uh, boxing's got to pick up the slack where the other teams are are, uh, are are slacking off. Caleb is surely right about that, especially when it comes to the main four male professional teams. He is a diehard Minnesota sports fan. I suppose it makes sense, by the way, 
for Caleb, a boxer, any boxer, to roll with the punches. We wish Caleb Truax all the best as that championship fight against Caleb Plant fast approaches on Saturday, January 30th. We are done on this Thursday night, the 21st of January. Always appreciate you listening. This has been Scoop Podcast episode 330. Stay safe, stay sane.